Welcome to Tears of a Clown, the podcast. I'm Liv, and this is episode 16. And what I've got to say is, this is the most special episode I've ever recorded. I have the most special guest, an honor of my life to introduce, Melissa Irene Trathan, my best friend of almost 20 years, my god sister, my better half, and my actual favorite person. Don't use those words lightly. Melissa and I have talked about recording an episode together even when I started my first podcast years ago and we have a like a myriad of things we want to get done together but we generally just end up enjoying our time so much that we don't get to our to-do list but tonight we had a great Italian dinner and um, some wine from Sicily and we decided that tonight was the night we're going to go ahead and record an episode so before we hear from Melissa we're going to go ahead and do a quick cheers and then we're going to dive into to our subject matter. So today's episode is going to be about the friendship balance. And Melissa and I have seen every season under the sun and the moon when it comes to a long, um, heart-filled and withstanding friendship. And it hasn't always been fun or pretty, and it definitely hasn't been easy, but it has been the most rewarding thing that I think confidently I can say for both of us in our lives. And over our conversations, what we've really realized is what we've had to do to put in the work to have a balanced and everlasting friendship, but also some of the things and grievances that we've experienced with other friends, which tends to only further draw us closer to one another. So before we get a little into the subject, I'd love for you to hear Melissa's just voice voice and learn a little bit more about her. So we're going to turn it over to Melissa. Hi, my name is Melissa Irene. I am Olivia's best friend. I know there are a lot of you out there that she calls her best friends and I know she loves you very much, very dearly, but just so you're aware, I am her best friend. Um, we have been, no shade, no shade. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I know that's cringy to say, but whatever. We're going to say cringy stuff on this episode, especially because it's me and Olivia. And when I say it's me and Olivia, is that your worst nightmare that we're together for however long this goes? Or is this what you've been waiting for for the entirety of our friendship? Speaking of which, we have been best friends for almost 20 years. Um, And cute fact about our friendship is our friend anniversary is on Valentine's Day. So that's pretty cute. Um, A little bit about me. Um, Let's talk about astrology because I love it. I'm an astrology bitch. Um, My sun sign is a Leo, obviously. Uh, My rising sign is a Scorpio. If you've ever met me and didn't know me, obviously. Um, (laughs) If you've ever met me in person and didn't know me before you met me. Scorpio rising and a Pisces moon. So I'm basically everybody's walking emotional nightmare. Um, in a good way. Um, I am an amateur musician and um, I'm a homebody. I spend a lot of time with my partner working nine to five in my corporate day life um, at home watching trash television currently right now. I'm watching a lot of Amazon's um, celestial love or is that a cosmic love? I don't know. One or the other. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's messy, but you know, it's amazing. I love it. Um, a little bit more about me. I come from a working class family. Um, my mom and dad worked their whole lives to give my sister and I what we have. And, um, I'm very appreciative and love them. My mom comes from a Jewish immigrant family and my father comes from an Italian immigrant family. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, 
I guess without further ado, here comes the shit show. I'll be honest, I've been spending a lot of time watching the Godfather films, all three of them, and I could do an entirely separate episode on my thoughts on those films and the book. Specifically, there's so many people who turn their nose up to the third movie, but the third movie is reality. And if you haven't watched the third film, I would advise you do it. But I'm not going to give any spoilers, but so many people have a problem with the way Michael, Vito's son, develops in his character in his older age. And they are like, this is so not who he was, as they knew him throughout the book in the first two films. And the reality is, is the way we settle into our decisions and our experiences is all a spectrum of development. So that's why I love these films so much, and I I love them all three equally, is because they're all truth to me. They're all something that I can relate to, and I can find something uh, within myself that's identifiable with one of the characters. Obviously, I relate to Michael in a lot of ways, but several people could relate to him or others. So I think about this a lot in the context of my friendship with Melissa. I think about film one, film two, and film three, right? And I feel like we've passed film one. We made it through film two, and now we're on film three. And film three is the longest film. Like, this is this is the bigger one. And we're probably going to have more films after that, right? God willing, we'll have many more. But if you think of the first three installments, I think about the OG, when we met each other, when we became friends, and there was a divine uh, intervention there that led us to become friends, a small group of people who listened to the same type of music in a, in a little town, right? And then our first relationships and heartbreaks, uh, finishing school, uh, you know, family issues, um, learning ourselves and, and kind of diving into our images. Then getting into adulthood so our teens then our adulthood our adulthood was like things getting more serious so to speak making commitments finding ourselves and also losing ourselves and and film two was the most difficult and i know melissa will agree with this and i'm really excited to for you guys to hear her perspective on this and now we're like in film three we're, we're living up we've found ourselves and we've still got life to deal with but the most solid thing is the family and the family is me and her my family unit i love all my family members but my family unit is me and melissa forever that is, I treat my relationship with Melissa as a marriage. It's a commitment that I have signed myself away in with blood, and it's non-negotiable. There is no divorce, right? You think about like the old world. We talk about that culturally with our families. There's no going back on that. That is that is non-negotiable. But I, I really want to focus on film two of mine and Melissa's friendship. And, and stay with me here when I say this is I want to talk about where things went wrong. Because I think it's so important that the people that are listening to this episode learn about that and can grow from this and can also spot the signs of when a friendship is worth salvaging, when a commitment is worth fighting for versus not. And more than anything, as we talk to you about sunsetting into film three of our friendship, again, I know I'm using all my examples here, then you can learn a little bit more about what true friendship has in terms of balance And you can clearly and confidently understand what you want to invest in versus not invest in. 
wow, that was quite the lead up that I don't know how I'm going to follow or even be equivalent to at all. Um, anyways, I will try. <laughs> um, first and foremost, I want to say that um, in my experiences, people, and more specifically, feminine associated people, um, tend to not take their friendships very seriously. Um, they tend to view them as transactional and um, not as uh, important because they're not technically romantic relationships. You know, they don't bring us that fulfillment romantically. Um, what I think those people are missing is that there's so many things in a long-term friendship, partnership, I call it with Olivia, friendship partnership, that um, you will never get from your partner. And I think that we take that those things in our friendship partners for granted, especially when we go into a relationship with a romantic partner. And Olivia and I have had a lot of issues with that. And that's, you know, coming out of those situations, that's one of the reasons why um, we are so close as we are now. When she did her first podcast years ago, the one thing that I wanted us to talk about was there would be people that would ask us constantly, how are you guys still best friends? How are you guys still so close i mean olivia and i cannot see each other for weeks and we get together and we pick up exactly where we left off i mean if olivia and i moved to different continents and didn't speak to each other for a year it would be horrible we would probably each die i mean i don't know how that would actually happen but in a horrible forsaken world if that were to happen we would pick right back up where we left off when we see each other a year later um and we have consistently had people ask us, how do you do that? And um, it's been a lot of trial and error in our friendship. And I do have to say that most of the times where our friendship got very close, for me, you know, the times that I felt very close to her was when I had to navigate um, basically sacrificing my friendship for my romantic partnership. Um, and we'll get to that eventually. We'll get to that Um but I'd like to talk about right now where our friendship started. Um, <laughs> I was a dork. I was a major dork coming into high school. Um, I actually, no, yeah, I take that back. I wasn't that big of a dork because I asked for a Radiohead album when I graduated eighth grade. So no, I wasn't a dork. I was, I was just not cool. I don't know. I, I, I was into cool things, drawn to cool things, but I, as a person, was a dork. And... Um, I had met some people who were close with Olivia's older sister. And her older sister invited me to a youth group. <laughs> uh, a, a youth group uh, for Christian kids. <laughs> Coming from a family that was not, they did not go to church. My mom came from a Jewish family. My dad came from an extremely screwed up, Italian family they didn't they didn't do shit I mean they were very Catholic as far as like where they came from but growing up no and also us we were just glad to be able to sit down at the dinner table together at the end of the night so we did not do religion or church um so being invited to this youth group I was like oh cool because Olivia's sister Christina is so fucking cool and she's been cool since the day I met her like even when she thinks she was a dork and she sucked, like she was still the coolest one out of all of us. And so when she invited me to youth group, I was like, I would have to be a crazy person to not do this. Like this is my 
chance to hang out with cool people and I make myself sound like even so much more of a dork saying that but that's what it was like when I was 14 years old and so I went and I said yes and I didn't know anybody who was going to be there um, except for my boyfriend at the time my high school boyfriend and um, I went and that's where I met Olivia and actually the first time I saw Olivia because I did my internet stalking we had my space then I did my internet stalking <laughs> before this uh social social gathering and i saw olivia on instagram or not instagram <laughs> myspace sorry so used to say instagram now it's like instant saying these social media websites but um i did my stalking on myspace i found olivia on myspace and she had those like shitty uh flip phone photos <laughs> she's gonna hate me for exposing her i wish that you had a podcast website so you could put we could like post reference photos I would post a reference photo of when I met Olivia. She had this like huge black eyeliner and these side swept black bangs. And she was wearing like, you remember when everybody wore vintage shirts, like vintage school shirts that they found at Goodwill and they were like really tight and we would like sew the sides of them to make them tighter. Yeah, she was wearing something like that. And she had like be like a the big pearl necklace, like the fake pearl necklace. That was so cool then. <laughs> at least for us it was cool for us but she had pictures like that and they were all grainy and shitty and I was like oh this girl's so ambiguous and cool and um I did my lurking of a few other people that were going to be there who will remain nameless but um yeah mostly I was interested in Olivia because she was Christina's sister and I was friends with Christina and I was like obviously I'm going to be friends with this girl like this is so cool and so we go to youth group it was a it was a bust nobody liked me I, <laughs> nobody liked me. I don't know that nobody liked me. I think that if you have been involved in our music scene from the beginning, especially in Sacramento, because it's so clicky, people were assholes growing up. Like nobody wanted to accept you. Like if you were a new girl and if you were, and I can look back at myself now and be like, I thought I was so ugly when I was that age. I thought I was just this fucking toe and I can look back at pictures of myself and be like oh, yeah there's a, little, there's a little bit not good stuff going on there but I was so cute and innocent and there was no reason for nobody to not like me I was cool I played music I wore vans I wore the vintage shirts I had the cool hair like I was cute and I think everybody's just clicky and you know insecure teenagers so I was not accepted right away um and actually she's gonna kill me for repeating this and Christina, you are to fucking blame for this also. I Olivia had a guy that she liked and he liked me. Okay? It's the tale as old as time story. Okay? A guy that I went to high school with liked me and didn't like Olivia. So Christina and Olivia decided to gang up on me and tell everybody I had four fingers. <laughs> Olivia's sitting next to me losing it right now. I mean, it's... They told people I had four fingers and I, I have small hands and I hide my thumbs sometimes. <laughs> but, and I heard this rumor and God, I think about how innocent and sweet I was then. Cause the me now would be like, that's fighting words and I'm going to kill you and your whole family and your cat's going to end up dead on your doorstep. <laughs> I'm so jaded and fucked up now. But back then I was so innocent and I just wanted these people to like me. And I was really just, I had the innocence of a child still. And I think I look back on that and I view myself as wanting female companionship and friendship. Like that's who I am at my core. I 
love and support women and I love having a community of women around me and there's been a lot of trials and tribulations leading up to who I am now and accepting myself and not projecting onto other women because of what I've been through but I look back at who I was that day and even though these people were not accepting me and I felt a little bullied I was like no I'm gonna push through this and I'm this person's gonna be my friend so it was Valentine's Day night And I don't know how many of you remember MSN Messenger. So we all had AOL, but there was like this certain clique of people that had MSN Messengers. I had both. Um, But you could put away messages. And the AOL away messages were always a little bit more like analog-y, but the MSN Messenger ones were always like cool because you could use like cool emojis. I think that was the first one where you had like cool emojis, like the people walking and stuff like that. And I had friended Olivia, like a fucking stalker on Messenger previously. It was Valentine's Day night. I'm 14. What am I doing on Valentine's Day? I don't have a fucking boyfriend. I'm a fucking dork listening to Radiohead in my room and minus the bear with fucking fake pearls and an elementary school vintage t-shirt. Like, what am I doing? Playing piano. I don't know. Um, so I go on, <laughs> I log on <laughs> to MSN Messenger to look at my like 20 friends on there because I was very popular, obviously. And Olivia was one of my friends on there. And she had this very sad away message. And I don't even remember what the away message was. But it was very sad. And so I was like, I'm going to be nice to her. So I sent her a message. And I think it was something about not having a Valentine's date or something. And I was like, I don't have a Valentine's date either. Do you want to be my my Valentine's date? (laughs) Mind you, I am straight as an arrow. (laughs) Like, some people think that I'm not because of my friendship with Olivia. And I have no, like, no judgments whatsoever. I'm very straight. But there have been some questionable things in our friendship where I can understand why people would think that maybe I'm not straight. This is probably one of those things. I can assure you it was very platonic. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I reached out to her and I said, I don't have a Valentine's date. Will you be my Valentine's date? And she said... I would love that. And if you know Olivia now, as she is now, and you could have known her back then, but as she is now, you know that if you extend an olive branch to this person, she will love you so dearly. Like if you extend an olive branch to her when she is on a down downturn, you really have a you really get a soft spot for her. Or she gets a soft spot for you. So I asked her to be my Valentine's date. And um, it happened to be, I think, a weekend. And so I asked my mom to drive me <laughs> to her house. And my mom was like, who is this person? How do you know her? I was like, I don't really know her, but I want to, I just, I'm so called to her. I want to be friends with her. Will you take me to her house? And so my mom took me to her house and history was made there. I mean, we have been best friends ever since. And I can truly say that out of everybody that I've ever met or every friendship I've ever had and even like romantic relationships I've ever had Olivia has been my consistent and I had a um a previous partner tell me that uh they thought that our friendship was codependent and I don't think that it's codependent I think that it's just rock solid and I think that that can intimidate people who don't have the same thing in their life or they want the same thing in their life or they want something from you that that person is giving you so now that you know the origins or as I would like to call it the lore of our friendship um, I can say as an established woman 
uh, with many experiences that the reasons that Olivia and I are still such rock solid friends is because that little girl, that 14 year old girl back then, and you can find this today too, but that 14 year old girl back then found a safe place to be herself, to not have to perform in front of somebody consistently, um, found community and we continue to create that community around our friendship. We continue to create that safety. We don't have to perform for each other. It's not a constant juggling act for each other. Um, so that's what keeps it going. I would like to say in my defense, after this bratty little angel has spoken, I said Melissa had four fingers because she had f- only her thumb looked missing it was in her puffy jacket with she dragged my outfit okay she was wearing one of those scene stir fucking puffy jackets with fur on the hood that was at macy's or no not macy's mervyn's okay she was a mervyn's ass hoe okay with her seven straight leg jeans and her thumb was missing all night so i just thought she didn't have a finger but also you have to think me and my sister aside okay we when we plot together it's usually not good i'll take that okay i now mind you i have three sisters but this sister specifically we have the closest age gap but we just meet this super cool very well musically informed talented hot white girl and we're like plucking our unibrows before we go out and we have like these giant birthing hips that were like were not cool especially during this era and then we had to find something like we were mildly pretty moderately insecure at that point um but i will say yes once we spoke i fell in love with her and i i I love everything melissa said and uh just so you guys know the entire time she was speaking and she's such a natural she's doing so like give it up for melissa please after you hear this podcast send her a message um send it through me it's fine i'll show it to her but she's done great she does she does everything in one take she's just very talented um but i was crying laughing the entire time i literally have my wine in front of me and i like have tears coming out of my eyes but i just didn't want to interrupt because she's doing so great so she she dragged me rightfully and willingly and i'm uh, totally here for it and we're just we're just having a fucking great time doing this honestly um but you know melissa talked a lot about how we became best friends and i think what i would echo in her last statement is that's exactly why i became her best friend For most of my life, I felt like I'm this jester that has to jump around in front of people and keep them entertained. And even now to this day, and it doesn't mean anybody's doing anything wrong and it's not personal, but like I'll show up at one of my friends like get togethers or events and it's like, here I go. Everybody's sitting there and they look mildly uncomfortable or bored. And I'm like, oh, let me put, you know, let me put on a good show and joke around and do whatever. And that's really fucking tiring. And some people might say like, okay, you choose to do that. But if I don't do it, it's going to be even more uncomfortable (laughs) and not a good time. And I think Melissa and I really related on that sense is we both have these fiery, strong personalities and we can show up and we're very present when we show up. And Melissa and I also dealt with a lot of the same trauma and a lot of the same very real things that we were going through within our households, which most people our age, most of our peers weren't going through. And we had a safety with one another and a love and a protection and Melissa is the first person in my life that ever protected me, even though she's so much smaller than me and she's like my little baby in so many ways, like she would shield her body with mine the same way I would do with hers. And she was the first person, you know, I had, I've talked to you guys pretty openly about my temper. I've dealt with pretty, pretty uh, difficult 
anger issues for most of my life. Um, and she was the only person who would walk into the room with me and be like, what do we got to do? Right. And so it just felt amazing to have a person who was not fearful by my side. And we always took turns protecting one another, whether it be emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, but it was always there. So I echo everything she said, and you see the beauty of our friendship, even when you just hear us talk. But with every single ounce of beauty that we have, we've also seen darkness. And I think that, you know, Melissa really expressed it best when she talked about her ex-partner, um, which was a very long-term relationship, uh, having kind of an issue with our friendship. And that relationship was really the death of our friendship when we had our breakdown. So when I talk about, you know, Melissa talked about film one, I'm talking about film two. Film two was probably the worst time of my life. And it was because my person and I ended up being in so much strife and then eventually disconnected to where it was unbearable. Um, and I, I, I'm really actually not going to go in the mechanics and details of what happened to where Melissa and I got a breakdown. I think it more matters on what our priorities were. Melissa was in the middle of planning a wedding and trying to keep together a relationship that had a lot of issues um, with outside forces at play. And I was trying to keep myself together, feeling very alone, very jaded, very broken, having gone through a really recent trauma that I was not communicating on probably the worst one I've experienced to date so she's dealing with the reality of an adult like she's dealing with trying to build a family and I was dealing with trying to just stay alive and there were both very real things that we were struggling with and we were just on totally different pages so Melissa's remedy was trying to keep the peace trying to keep things together trying to keep order because that was the only thing that made her feel better and for me mine was avoiding so mine was getting in and out as quick as possible. And my lack of presence hurt her, just like her lack of, I think, awareness to what I was going through hurt me. And so we were just on totally ends of the uh, the spectrums. And what it came down to on, on ahead was really um, one night, a very big night. And um, we just, everything bubbled up and everything went wrong possibly that you can imagine my poor best friend dude getting married and every single thing going wrong that you could fucking imagine like you could name one thing that someone could say and i'd be like yeah no it went wrong and we had a, the fight really, really wasn't about us i'll tell you right now the fight was not about us the fight was about we were i would argue the most unhappy we've both been in our lives and when i say unhappy i don't mean there was um external forces that were like causing a lot of grief and pain it was literally just that we hated our fucking lives both of us we hated our lives and we couldn't tell anyone but each other so what did we do we took it out on one another because we wanted to stay true to our course we wanted to act like we were fine and so that led to a separation of a year and um it was the worst year of my life um I, I have no problem admitting that. And I know it was for Melissa too. It was just in different capacities for both of us. When Melissa and I separated, you know, she had our, our two best friends who had kind of sided with her. And I would say it was reasonable because I was really closed down and being kind of an asshole. Um, but she's been gracious enough to kind of admit they really didn't know the full story. Um, so, you know, it was a wash. We both did things wrong. But ultimately, we were in two different worlds. She was a newlywed, and I was starting the biggest adventure in my career, but also simultaneously just being a fucking wreck. So I was just acting out. I was wasted constantly. Like, I was just not doing great. And she was sad and lonely. 
very lonely. So it was a different type of, of pain. And what I learned during this time was uh, every single phase of, of <laughs> um, hatred and disdain and love and um, uh, yearning and grief that you could possibly imagine. Uh, there were some days where all I wanted was my person. There were other days where I was so resentful to her and I felt like she had done this to us. Uh, there were days where, you know, my godmother and my mother are very close, would talk and my mom would call me and I just, I'd be like, I don't want to fucking hear it. My temper was super bad. And I know she was the same way with me. You know, she didn't want to hear my name. I didn't want to hear her name. There were nights where I wouldn't talk to anybody for like a couple days and I would just cry in my house because I missed her so much. And it, it was just, it was, it was excruciating the entire experience. And you know, Melissa and I got a reality check that I think most people are not afforded with. And while it came at a very big expense, you know, I hear people talk about not, you know, Melissa's my sister. Um, I hear people not talking to their family members or close friends for years and years. We had one year and what brought us back was the loss of our mutual best friend. And we'll do another episode talking about specifically death and loss because um, I think that's a whole different subject. But it's almost like the universe intervened and we had to deal with each other. And I remember thinking to myself, in the beginning of mine and Melissa's friendship, you hear about Melissa pursuing me. Melissa doesn't do that. Melissa's, uh, I always say, she's imported from old times. Like Melissa, as I've talked about her in other episodes, she's not of this time. She is like the true definition of it like an old time like lady like a true lady an elegant um, mysterious beautiful lady and so she doesn't pursue things like every man since melissa and i have met that i've seen pursue her is like all them right like every person who wants to have a friendship with melissa they're all in and i was the pretty much the only person melissa's ever pursued in her life and what i realized was when we were joined by unfortunate and, and devastating circumstance of our, our best friend passing away um, very tragically and suddenly was I had to pursue her. It was my turn to pursue her. It was my turn to show up for my best friend in a way, regardless of all the shit that had went down, all the misunderstandings, the lack of time that we had spent together in the last year or even not even lack, there was zero time. Um, I realized I had to pursue her. So that's where I showed up in the same way Melissa's telling you about showing up for me. Um, we were, you know, all going through the grief and the emotions and the shock of the loss. And Melissa was more internally connected with the group of women that were close to our best friend when they passed away. Again, our other best friend and I were not on speaking terms due to mine and Melissa's kind of, um, you know, argument. And so Melissa was in, uh, intensely involved in planning and coordinating and conversations in terms of the passing after the fact. And so what I realized was I was grieving and I knew she was grieving. We were grieving in different ways and I just had to show up for her. So I knew she didn't want to be my friend. I knew she didn't want to talk to me. I knew she had resentment towards me, but I texted her every single day, I think about twice a day. And I would just say, I love you. I'm not leaving. I'm here when you want to talk. Every single day, multiple times a day. And I did that for weeks until finally one day she reached back out to me and was like, okay. And she kind of just surrendered. She kind of just let me love her. And she kind of, she was still a little guarded. But when you know someone that well, you know when they're, where their heart's at. And um, she let me in. She let me in and it was way was worth every single time I put my pride aside. It was worth every single fear of rejection I experienced. And um, 
it was worth every ounce of forgiveness I had because I knew that she was worth pursuing. And I found it so funny that we had came full circle, like really in the same way she had found me, I had found her. And so we made our way back to each other. And it wasn't always easy after that. Mind you, we had to deal with an immense grief. Um, we had to deal with, you know, uh, our mental health issues that had had only worsened um, from that experience. Um, you know, Melissa had obviously an end of a relationship. I had gotten engaged and had an end of a relationship. Like we still saw rocky times after that. But I think that what we learned there was our commitment to one another was greater than any single thing that we could experience in our lives. And that's how we've made it to where we are now. And I really want to emphasize on the fact that what we do is a choice. Every single day, Melissa and I have to choose to show up for each other. And some days we don't show up that well, okay? Some days I have, as you guys know, the attention span of an aphid. So I'm not going to be totally sensitive and present. Um, and the same way that Melissa is also, she's a little busy beaver, dude. She's always running around. She... I, drives me fucking nuts she wakes up so early in the morning she wants her coffee and she wants to play in the whole day okay and i'm like i'm still another time so sometimes melissa's got a full schedule she's got her family she's got her partner she's got things she wants to do and i'm much more of a, a really a slothy type person so sometimes she's not going to be on the same pace i am there's things that we don't agree on there's people that i like that she doesn't like and vice versa there's commitments and decisions melissa has made that frustrate the fuck out of me and the same way for her with some of my behaviors and some of my actions so i'm not saying it's easy i'm not saying we just wake up every day and we're like oh my god my bestie i love my bestie like it's fucking hard dude and sometimes i don't like everything she does okay um but i love her and I will tell you the investment I've made in my friend is worth more than anything in the world. And the lack of pageantry is how we stay alive. There's no pageantry. There's no bullshit. Like we're real with each other and we show up for each other, but we're also thoughtful and we look at other aspects of our life and we bring alleviation to one another. So when Melissa can tell I'm pouring a lot to other people, she's like, hey, come over. I'm making dinner and like I got wine, just come over and stay the night. Like, let's just get cozy and watch our favorite movies, right? In the same way where I know Melissa's dealing with a lot of stress, I can be like, I know what her love language is. She just wants to be near me and talk. She doesn't want answers. She doesn't want advice. She just wants to listen to me, right? In the same way that I feel physical presence is my love language of physical touch, hers I know is quality time and those words of affirmation. So, it's, it's a selfless job sometimes. We don't always get something back and we don't get a pat on the back being like, oh, you're amazing. You're so great. So what I want to drive home here is that this investment is an actual investment and investment comes with risk. It comes with constant assessment and more than anything, you have to have a level of fortitude and um, resilience. And I think that's why we found our secret formula. So I, I want to turn to Melissa for some of our closing thoughts in terms of what she sees as a balanced friendship, because what I can tell you in our strengths and our weaknesses is Melissa has a very good discernment of people. She doesn't get close to people often. I can name on one hand how many people she's considered a close friend and in her, in her 30 plus years of life. And like she kind of teased earlier, I, I when I love people, I put blinders on. So I'd love to hear from her perspective, her wisdom, and what she sees are the signs of a balanced friendship. So I'm going to hand it over to Miss Melissa Irene. So um, after 
all of those eloquent things that Olivia has said, um, the one thing that I feel like I can contribute on after that is when she said that I am, and I don't know that she said this verbatim, but that I am not easy to open up to people, that I am not warm to people right away. It takes me a little bit to feel safe with people and comfortable with people. And I go back again to that 14-year-old girl that was looking for her people, that was looking for her community. I was very choosy and very good at choosing people. And um, I think that now going through life and still having a lot of those people in my life and unfortunately some of those people not in my life, I have created a good discernment for um, finding the red flags in friendships and relationships in general. So here are my three, top three red flags for a person that is probably not someone that is going to be a long-term person in your life. One, how much do they talk about themselves? Now, we all go through crises. We all need that ear to listen to our problems. And that's the most beautiful thing about friendships is it's a safe place. You can consistently talk about something where you're like, I can't get over this. And even in Olivia's last episode, it's hard for me to let go of this. It's hard for me to let go of this. I need to talk about this. Yes, that's what our friends are there for, to coach us and guide us through things, not as a therapist, but as a counselor, or not counselor, but as our our trusted counsel. They will be there for you. But how much do they talk about themselves listlessly, the endless carousel of me, 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 without any regard to you? How often do they ask you about yourself? How often do they listen to you? How often do they stop thinking about themselves and think about you? Is it draining to hear them talk about themselves? Number two, how do they talk about their other friendships with you? Um, Venting is okay. You know, sometimes we got to talk about what we're going through with the close people in our lives. We're all going to have an issue with a close person in our life that we need to talk to. And if you have a close person in your life, you're probably going to hear them say something about another person they know that annoys them. That's totally normal and healthy. But are they posting happy birthday, babe, about somebody and then coming back to you immediately, probably within the day, and talking shit about this person? And when I say talking shit... I mean, not things that are constructive, not things are things that they need to bounce off of you. And I will guarantee you, if they're saying that about this person, they're saying the same thing about you. Do they have a lot of falling outs with friends? And I'm not talking about falling outs where it's like, you know, some people have bad luck with people, romantically, friendships, whatever. Some people have bad luck and they're a good person. But some people, you got to remember that saying, where there's smoke, there is fire. Um, do they talk very well about people that they're friends with? So not just talking shit about people. Do they talk well about their close friends? Do they trust their people? Do they have a circle around them? And it doesn't have to be a circle. It would be one person or their family member or somebody or, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to be. We're not, we're not, it's a popularity contest. The people that are close to them, do they speak well about them when they're not venting and annoyed? <laughs> Do they speak well about them? That's very important because you know if they're speaking well about the people that they're close to, they're saying that about you. The same thing with shit talking. Whatever they're saying to you, they're saying to other people. And the last 
And I think most important thing, because this is the whole point of relationships in general, how do they contribute to your life? Okay, this is not charity. Friendships are not charity. This is a two-way road, okay? And the big thing about friendships, and this is what I will drive home about my friendship with Olivia, I'm not going to say it's transactional because that's a big word we've used tonight privately outside of this podcast. We've been talking about transactional friendships. Um, Conditional, okay? Friendships are conditional. They are. All relationships are conditional, And you can unconditionally love somebody from afar. You can end a relationship and love them from afar. But it's still conditional. If that person does something to fuck with your trust or fuck with you, you don't have to be in that person's life anymore. You get to decide. You consistently have a choice every day. And Olivia said that. We choose each other every day. We make these decisions every day to be good friends to each other. I make a decision every day to be with my partner, to be the partner that I want to be to that person. I make a decision every day to be a good daughter. I make a decision every day to be a good employee. You know, we all get to make these decisions. So how are they contributing to your life? What decisions are they making that benefit your life? And that doesn't have to be selfish, really. What are they doing for your life? Are they paying for things? Or are you paying for everything? Are you constantly planning the trips? Or are they planning any trips with you? Or are they planning any dates with you? Are you constantly reaching out to them? Or is it equal? If it's not, what's the point? And I go back to again, is this person draining you? So you heard it from my queen herself. Those are pretty amazing like high level points that you should keep in mind when you're assessing your friendships and I'll speak from the hindsight standpoint because usually I realize these things in hindsight which isn't always fun Melissa can really look at someone and meet someone and assess those things and I kind of I'm like oh I'll love people where I get myself in trouble is I will get close to people rather quickly. And when I say close, it's always on the level that I'm comfortable with, whether I'm being revealing about my love life or I'm giving, you know, uh, career um, advice or communicating about that or, or making someone feel comfortable, whatever it may be. Like, it takes a lot to actually get close to me and get to know me. But what I will say is when I do that, sometimes I'm so busy trying to give to that person that I don't actually see who they are and what they are. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. I'm not saying they're these nefarious creatures who have came to like hurt me or destroy me. It just, I'll realize after the fact that I'm actually not that compatible with them or there's not sustainability there. And what I've tended to find where I've had the most arguments or most issues in my friendships are that a lot of people want me to be as consistent as I am to Melissa. And it's like, Melissa's basically my wife. So I'm going to prioritize my marriage, so to speak, over everything else. I'm never going to talk to someone as much as I talk to Melissa unless I end up finding my romantic soulmate. I'm I'm just not going to do that. It's not going to happen. And that's taken years of effort and practice because I already am the type of person who could go days without talking to someone and be totally okay, right? So I found that some friends want to chat on the phone every day or text a lot. And I'm like, I don't really want to do that. Or, you know, I'm really good in crisis mode. I'm a mentor. I'm a leader. So when I know someone's going through something, I'll show up and I'll be there. And I'm like, what do you need to eat? I'm checking in on you, et cetera. And then once you're good, 
I'm not going to spend as much time or check in on you as much because that's just kind of how I operate. And I know that's not ideal for everyone. I think a lot of times people do want um, that consistency and that like comfort, but that doesn't really come naturally or easily for me. And what I'd say in terms of, you know, looking at those three things Melissa pointed out is I have been the over contributor in terms of financially or letting someone talk to me or like having... taken this place of being the safe space where someone can vent about every area of their life with me. And that gets exhausting being the superhero and being the rock. Like it's not fun. And eventually human nature is going to come in and you're going to be like, all right, I've kind of played this role and I'm good to go. Right. And I think that goes both ways for anyone. So what I would say is true friendships, you really have to look at this and take ownership on both sides. You have to look at the way you're contributing, you can love someone and care about someone and still be like, oh God, I really like, while I can be thoughtful, while I have good intentions, you can still be like, yeah, there's like this missing piece, right? And you can look at that friendship and see it for what it is. I have friends who I just get drinks with. I have friends I just talk business with. I have friends I just talk relationships with. I have friends that I'm like, we're like low, no effort, but we love each other. Like we're there for each other. All kinds of friendships. So We're not saying every single one has to encompass every strong point, but I think what's important is if you're going to call someone your close friend and invest in them, you really have to know what matters and what works for you and have to be true to yourself because I'm going to tell you one thing to sum up everything Melissa said, if you're dreading it, that's not a good sign. Okay. If you're dreading doing it, it's just not a good damn sign. And that's something I've really had to be honest with myself in, in the same way I've had to take responsibility in the fact that I have gotten close to people when in reality I really didn't take the time to get to know them to the degree I should have and then I'm like whoa you want way more from me than I can fucking give you I'm not trying to be your standing you know boyfriend so to speak or in in the same breath um I can't transform myself in who I am so I will take, you know, that that truth and say maybe I've been one of those three things to someone and so I think it's all about being self-aware So I hope everything that we shared with you guys from our story to our conflict to our our wisdom, um, you can take those things and you can run with them and you can apply them to your life. And and more than anything, you can learn from us because we've made some fucking mistakes and we're the first people to say that our friendship is so imperfect. It is it is so blemished in so many ways. But to us, it's, it's beautiful sacred and um that's okay a lot of things you love in life will not be untainted (laughs) um that's the way the things in life that we invest in work they take time they take effort blood sweat and tears so thank you for staying present and receiving everything we had to give and i am very very bought into this whole every other week episode cadence so we'll see you in two weeks for the next episode which will be episode 17 i'm gonna go ahead and let melissa say her goodbyes because i know you all are gonna miss her on the podcast you know olivia and i have been talking about doing a podcast together for a while or an episode of a podcast for a while since she did her pink cloud podcast if you guys remember that um i'm sure you do um but lo and behold true to olivia's flighty nature her her off the wall nature we're sitting here having a nice italian dinner having some nice chianti and um 
all my Hannibal fans out there. <laughs> and she says, hey, let's do, a, let's do an episode together. And I'm like, really? All right. Okay. Uh, what are we going to talk about? She said, friendship. And I said, fuck yeah. So that's it. Um, I'm, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, that's just literally a sneak peek, a little tiny tidbit of our friendship. If you know both of us, you know it's a lot more than that. But thank you for holding space for me. Thank you for tuning in. And um, that's it. This is Tears of a Clown. Thank you.